0: Hello and welcome to this installment of the All-New 52 podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schremer, and with me, as always, is my cohort, Caleb Bunn.
1: Your imaginary stuffed friend, possibly. What, what?
0: I mean, this this podcast existed in video for 50 episodes. There's no way I could be editing <laughs> myself doing a voice and having wildly different, different opinions on everything. This is true. This is What's true. What's the real opinion? We're talking about Calvin and Hobbes this week on episode 73 of the podcast. Would you...
1: Is it famous? Do you call it famous? Is yeah. Deserve that word? Okay. Calvin and Hobbes is. I would say, there are there are strips that are probably more iconic because yes. Bill Watterson famously did not sign away the um, licensing rights ever. But I still think most people would know what Calvin and Hobbes is. Yeah. Calvin and Hobbes, the comic strip, it's eternal. <laughs> it does feel timeless. Yeah. That's, that's one of its strengths that we'll, yeah. that's
0: something we'll surely get into. But Caleb, uh, I'm going to take a cue from your other podcast and because I feel like you have a brief history to go into about Calvin and Hobbes. You usually do research.
1: Well, this made it very easy because we read the 10th anniversary book, which has several like pages that Watterson wrote about his like his relationship with licensing, how he kind of forced the newspapers to allow him to change up like the Sunday morning format, his thoughts on like different aspects of cartooning and stuff. So, uh, I can just regurgitate that because as a kid, I I never paid attention to any of that stuff. It's just like, Oh, funny strip. But, um, Bill Watterson in 1985, uh, made release Calvin and Hobbes. It was a, you know, a moderate success that quickly grew. He, um, was so the way that comic strips work is there is a syndicate who writers work with, and then the syndicate sends out to the newspapers. The he had a very contentious relationship with the syndicate over things like, um, like the licensing. They they made most of their money off of strips like Garfield, which Jim Davis would just whore that out to whatever could put a Garfield face on. Mm-hmm. Bill Watterson didn't want to do that, and so they had a very contentious relationship. He had a contentious relationship with the newspapers because of him taking some sabbaticals and because of him changing the format, but he always kind of tried to keep this centralized vision of this is a strip about a kid's imagination and that's it. And so he wrote it for 10 years and then he decided I'm done. This came out on the in the 10th year and it released or at least the blurbs he wrote was before he made that decision so it is kind of interesting to hear him talking about what he's currently doing knowing that a couple months after this book's release he would stop
0: I did not know Calvin and Hobbs was over <laughs> yes it has been for a while
1: one of the major differences between him and you know like a Jim Davis is that he, he stopped it <laughs> I did
0: not know that
1: <laughs> it might still be in reruns I'm not I haven't picked up a newspaper and ages but okay well um, it was never in the tennessee and growing
0: up yeah one of my questions was what was your encounter with calvin hobbs because i didn't read this as a kid i discovered this as like a teenager
1: we uh so my siblings and i would read comic books or comic strips each morning while we ate breakfast usually they came from books like this like collections yeah i had a ton of garfield ones we had a couple peanuts ones um uh oh, what was that one? There was one about Shark Sherman's Lagoon, I think, which is super <laughs> obscure. And occasionally, like, my parents would get, would subscribe to the newspaper off and on, I guess, whenever there was, like, a good deal on it. Mm-hmm. So, like, we would read the comic strips there. But, yeah, I read this from, like, the various different collections. It was mainly my brother's, the comic my brother preferred. I was more of a Garfield kid. But as I grew up, I started appreciating it more and more. I think it was, I think as a kid, I was too much of a goody two shoes to like Calvin. Really?
0: <laughs> the twerp.
1: Yeah. But then as I grew up, I was like, oh, okay, I can get over myself a little bit.
0: Yeah. My first encounter with Calvin Hops was in one of these collection books. My sister has a big one that my dad gifted her. Because um, like a lot of things in his interest in his thirties. He really got into kids media <laughs> of different things. But I, I've never actually sat down and read a lot of Calvin and Hobbes. Just like, you know, you'll see panels of it everywhere yeah. on the Internet and stuff. And I, I didn't like newspaper comics either when I was a kid. So this was really my first really big foray into Calvin and Hobbes. But I'll say you've read one Calvin and Hobbes strip. You've read them all like to to a certain extent. But
1: you've read one comic strip you've read them all
0: like yeah yeah yeah
1: you know it's three panels there's setup and then in the last Uh, panel there's a punchline yeah Yeah. it's a it's a weird type of like comedy that i think has died off in other types of media like the super formulaic i don't feel like the irony that like infested like sitcoms Mm -hmm. ever got to comic books or comic strips i'm gonna keep making that mistake but we are they are two very different things.
0: yeah, that's why I always like the four panels that sometimes will be in the back of like manga volumes, <laughs> they just do it, it turns into a comic strip thing, yeah, because it's like and it's just rapid fire jokes.
1: yeah. But uh, Watterson does have like stories that go throughout the week, like it, or at least concepts that will go throughout the week. like they'll go on a camping trip. Mm-hmm. and so all the panels will be about camping. And then he doesn't do that for the Sunday strips, because the Sunday strips required a lot more uh, prep work because they had to be colored. That's what differentiated a color
0: one.: okay. Yeah, yeah. I noticed it was off and on, but also there was a thing about it where it's like there be, there'd be four panels, or however many, and then uh, there'd be like a couple pages worth like a, like a mini, a mini comic, mm-hmm. almost.
1: yeah. he definitely he definitely liked leaning into the ongoing stories, I think. And they can range wildly like Calvin, like finding a raccoon and trying to nurse it back to life. And it that's dies. my favorite story that it's a good one. <laughs> it's so good. But then you have like Calvin is pretending to be spaceman Spiff. So he can avoid giving a, like a presentation at school or mm-hmm. something. Or I think it's not spaceman Spiff. I think it's a superhero persona, but a stupendous man. That's yes, That's what it is. Yeah. But um, so they can vary wildly, which you know, like any
0: entertainment medium there's good episodes and there's bad episodes
1: yeah i mean the variety plug into positives and i'll make that my first one i mean
0: sure i don't i didn't really read this with a uh compiling my normal list of negatives and positives yeah. it was more like this is an open floor to talk about comic and comic and Hobbes, calvin and Hobbes, and like the medium itself
1: i think that Calvin and Hobbes has a lot more like situational variety than a lot of other comics because the premise is like Calvin's imagining stuff. Like most most often Hobbes. because of, Hobbes is his imaginary friend. Yes. It's his
0: stuffed tiger doll, but he is he is alive in Calvin's eyes.
1: Yes, Calvin is a six year old. His stuffed animal, like he takes it everywhere. But he he'll also go into these things where he's a noir detective, he's a spaceman, whatever. Because of that, or dinosaur, those are super fun. Um, Because of that, like, you can just get anything in the world of Calvin. Mm -hmm. There's one where he's just constantly growing and, like, getting bigger and bigger. And eventually he, like, falls off the world and, like, starts, like, spinning into space. No dialogue. And Watterson had a thing where he's like, I originally envisioned this as just doing this every day and seeing, like, seeing how long I could get away with it. Then I decided that was stupid. And man, I wish he could. I love with that his original. commentary
0: on some things. There's a strip where he's talking, or Calvin's telling Hobbes about his favorite comic book hero, and Watterson has this like lines about like eh, it could be anything, whatever it is. Comic books are stupid.
1: Yeah, he's a gr- <laughs> he's like a curmudgeon. He's definitely a curmudgeon.
0: But well, which is weird when you're like he he he's everything he writes about is like from the perspective of a grumpy old man. But he's telling sort these of just the most imaginative little boy. Yeah.
1: It's well, and he he talks about how he isn't like Calvin. Yeah, but I think you can like that's kind of the fun escape for him when writing. He can kind of get out of his head a little bit, and because Calvin can say anything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: he's such a twerp.
1: Yeah, he sucks.
0: <laughs> like even from the cover of this tenth anniversary book, it's him just like making a stupid face to the yeah. to the reader.
1: He. Are there any points in the book where like he's unsympathetic or like just too annoying? I you, the ones I don't usually like. I usually like just the solo Calvin and Hobbes
0: story where it's just it's just him and Hobbes talking and maybe an interaction with his parent, mm-hmm. one of his parents. I don't like any of the school stories that much cuz that's <laughs> he's he's really insufferable when he's in school. Yeah. <laughs> I've known those kids in school. They suck.
1: The poor Susie Darkins is his like neighbor, and oh man, some of the stuff he does to her, I'm just like, okay, this kid needs to be, this kid needs some sort of discipline. And uh, I didn't
0: like the ones where he would imagine himself in like certain like like the noir detective Mm -hmm. or where he's a superhero. I didn't I didn't enjoy those stories as much.
1: What did you think about the art style shifts in those stories, though? That might be why I didn't like it as much because I had sorry I had to pay attention a little more. Oh, okay. <laughs> it threw you off. And that's a lot of the Sunday panel strips. Like he'll uh Watterson has a ongoing gag about how when um Calvin is getting in a fight with his dad, the perspective, like the art perspective changes. And like it's a fun, like, oh, he's gonna draw it in Cubism this mm-hmm. time. But I can I, it's definitely not the formula you expect. No, yeah, this book
0: has a formula. I like when it sticks to it. Not that it's like weaker in its other forms i just prefer the form that it normally takes um because it's it's very turn your brain off it's very
1: jokes (laughs) fun situations it's turning your brain off i guess as an adult as a kid i was like a lot of this stuff went over my head because calvin definitely says a lot of big words that six-year-olds would know maybe and maybe he doesn't use them right Like sometimes that's the joke. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes he does get very philosophical in a way. Like it's not deep, I would say, but it definitely No, it's very surface level. It's very
0: he read something in a comic book. Yeah.
1: I, I love the idea that Calvin is just regurgitating everything he sees around him.
0: Yeah. I like how um like he's an imaginable little kid and he does really stupid things. Like when when he has his cloning machine. And oh he just, I love that. He just tells his teachers every day it's i like, am number four. It's <laughs> so I don't remember any of this. He's just like he's like he's done it for a week.
1: There are two yeah, there are two great arcs in this where he one, he clones himself, but all the clones are like Calvin, so they're all bad. Yeah. And then he like he redoes the cloning machine, which is just a cardboard box, um, to have make a good version of him. But then, of course, like the good version starts doing things he doesn't like, and he's like, "You're ruining my reputation of being bad."
0: I like how he'll do this stuff, but there's and you, you brought it up, how there's not really consequences for calvin ever, but I, I like that he's not getting disciplined for being an imaginative little kid because he's, he's doing a lot of stupid stuff yeah. and ju- and it's just his imagination running wild, like even even the whole thing of Hobbes there's an early, it's in the raccoon story that I really like where uh his mom like it like you see Hobbs from his mm-hmm. you know he's just a a limp doll and she starts yeah. talking to him she's like oh you know i'm losing it when i'm talking to the doll <laughs> but she they're never berating calvin it's like they're like Hobbs isn't real they're never doing that yeah. or anything or he has a he has another story where he's like no i'm hobbs now where he transmogrifies himself into Hobbs with a cardboard box yeah and they're never they're never like they're never telling telling him he's stupid or anything yeah
1: They, and when he does bad things, they get mad at him, but you never see what his, like, you get the idea that he was punished in between panels, Yeah, but which I, I like because I like, I I don't know. I think it, because Calvin is sympathetic, or at least most of the time he's sympathetic, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want him to get punished, but also he deserves it. So I like that it's clearly that he is getting disciplined, but it's not the focus of the comic.
0: It'd be so easy to turn this into like this little twerp gets his comeuppance yeah, all the time, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad it's like it's got a, it's a very positive book mm-hmm. where it's like it's just here for fun times. It's yeah. not trying to give you like these like life lessons or everything. It's just, it's just trying to be like a, a dose of optimism.
1: Yeah. And it, Calvin definitely lives in a very idealized world just in the sense that it's the way I, a lot of kids see the world where it's like once he leaves his back door to go play with Hobbes, like anything could be back there. It's mm-hmm. like I think Watterson mentioned that he's like, I wrote it like he had a state park for a backyard and it feels that way. Like it feels like the perfect type of world for a kid minus, of course, like he has to go to school mm-hmm. and, you know, take a bath and stuff. We've talked a lot about Calvin. What do you think about Hobbes? So it's like, Hobbes is interesting to talk about.
0: It's technically, he's not a character. He's just Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's Calvin's, I don't know, like 40-year-old like man who's lived a life in his head already, where he's like the moral compass that Calvin just won't listen to a lot
1: of the time. He's like... He, from a from just a pure comedy perspective he's the straight man. Yes. So like he'll react to how stupid Calvin being, but he never like tries to stop him either. Well, cuz he <laughs> cuz he can't. Can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, sometimes he'll like he'll like pounce on Calvin and like they'll have a fight or something. It's like well, is Calvin just all playing this out? Yeah, like yeah. how much it's this wonderful like little almost like magic surrealism about it. It really brought it Really brought me back to being not quite
0: that age, but like, uh, we had trampoline in my backyard, mm-hmm. that was the prime place for playing pretend, yeah, and stuff. It's because you could jump, you could do all these things, so you could be larger than life on it. We had me and my siblings would have so many things where we were different characters and stuff, and we acted out there. Yes, I would do that if I had a giant stuffed tiger, yeah, and stuff. And my mind was like running rampant with imagination at that point.
1: Oh, yeah, all my. Not only all my stuffed animals have personalities, but I had a whole ensemble of imaginary friends. And like, I had
0: imaginary imaginary friends <laughs> where, it was, where it was the cool thing to have an imaginary friend about, <laughs> but I didn't have one. But what, I, I made one up, <laughs> but I didn't believe he was actually there or anything. That's, a,
1: that's actually a really good premise for something. <laughs> that's a common thing. You've never heard of that? Well, no, I guess. Like for me, I knew all my imaginary friends weren't real.
0: Like, it wasn't like... Yeah, but you, like, have them distinct personalities and everything. Yeah, I was having to convince myself I had an imaginary
1: friend. I think that's... (laughs) Like, I would love to see the Calvin and Hobbes version of that where Hobbes has to convince Calvin he exists. (laughs) Not with these characters, but, you know, just generically. Or the... um, I guess that's kind of what the... What was that cartoon that was on when we were kids about imaginary friends? Uh, Oh, Foster's. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like Foster for imaginary friends. Yeah. yeah, all these abandoned imaginary friends. Um, You mentioned the raccoon. Is that your that's your favorite story in this?
0: Yeah, that's like the largest point where like it takes like a somber turn, which is weird because it's very early in the book. I would expect that to be like a, a three quarters of the way through thing just in terms of like I don't know. There's no pacing to this, but it's just in terms of like the mood,
1: three quarters of the way through is the dinosaur strips. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I really like it because it's one of the more long dry out ones and it's not necessarily do de- like teaching Calvin about death mm-hmm. as much as it is just like taking a step back from all the, from all, from all the like shenanigans that go on and just like having Calvin be a little more introspective and being like, "I knew him for a day, and he's like, and he's gone long. I, I've known him less time than he's been dead, mm-hmm. but he made such an impact." I'm like, "Yeah, doesn't I don't necessarily relate to it or anything, but I'm like, that's a very strong statement, and I like it."
1: Well, you know, and I think that, yeah, that's that some people are like, that's the purpose of pets to keep teach kids about death. It's like that's no, not true. that's not no, but I do think that is a common thing for kids where their first exposure to death is an animal, mm-hmm. whether it's a pet or something they find, you know, like a dead bird flies into the window or something like that. And I do think like you might not understand death, but like, can you teach anyone how to handle death? I'm, I don't think you can. I think, no. it's but
0: I, I mean, I think you, I think you can, it just has to come later in life with where they've had enough, like outside influence to understand it as a yeah. concept.
1: Cause a lot of time death
0: strikes is like, you're you're just way too young to comprehend. Yeah,
1: it. but you do need to be introduced to the concept of it. Yeah, and I think that's this sh- this like illustrates that pretty well. Actually, me and my girlfriend had a argument about that the other day about Charlotte's Web, and she's like, "That story sucks because it's so sad." I'm like, "No, <laughs> it teaches you about the circle of life."
0: <laughs> yeah, Charlotte's Web. Always. Wow, we're going completely off topic. <laughs> Charlotte's Web. I read that pretty early. I think it's most people do because there's. There was a live action movie that I made when we were kids. Yeah. There's a very like uh famous animated version yeah. of it. And then that was my prime because I watched that over and over again. Yeah, it's a
1: great or at least I remember it being great. Yeah, I
0: remember it being pretty good. And then I I think I only read the book once. And it was like after I'd already seen the animated mm-hmm. version like gosh, thirty times. Yeah. Or something like that. And I don't <laughs> I never really got I think I didn't really ever get Charlotte dying. I understand. I understood she exited the movie. I didn't understand. It was like
1: death. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, oh, she has to leave. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's the weird thing about it is that like kids media, you see, you don't necessarily see the characters die, but you know, characters die all the time. Yeah. Like, like uh, um, Mufasa in The Lion King. Yeah. Like I got, I got that. Yeah. It's, it, 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 you know, it's, you know, it's different. It's not <laughs> as emotionally devastating to me when Mufasa dies as like when Calvin <laughs> finds a raccoon. who died. I
0: know. He's so beat up. Well,
1: it's, it's, it's this twerp kid having a moment of like, Oh, I want to help them. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I can, I can, as an adult, especially an adult who has worked with kids before. And like one of the things I've learned working because I started working we both did childcare when mm. we were like in high school and stuff, way too yeah. young to be doing it, but like it was good the money. The fact that they employed the kids to do this, it's like we couldn't do anything. Yeah. But like I, the thing I learned as I was maturing and watching these kids mature, such a surreal experience was like, man, the worst kid can become the best kid in like the span of a year. Yeah. Like, because, and I think that's the thing we see here with Calvin is like, He's a, he's a brat, but man, everything he does that's wrong, he can figure out a way how to like harness that and turn it around. And if he has a good, like, you know, maybe he just needs a better teacher in the school. Like, yeah, maybe he's just,
0: yeah, some, sometimes you have those bad years in school where it doesn't matter who you are. Sometimes the teacher just won't take a liking to you yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah.
1: And especially, especially if you're a kid like Calvin, <laughs> like three weeks of him in my class, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you can leave now. <laughs>
0: Imagine coming into uh, thrilling Thursdays <laughs> <laughs> Calvin's a kid yep to... listen i had i had a that was kid. the
1: worst age group this like the six and seven year olds um I had a kid who was basically it was the only kid I ever like actively disliked mm-hmm. then two three years later, see her again interact with her again she's fine <laughs> perfectly fine kid. <laughs> She was just having a, a troublesome summer. Yeah, it happens, and and I think that's maybe why I appreciate Calvin and Hobbes more now than I did as a kid. Where as a kid, I'm like every character is a reflection of my own like personality and stuff. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take this in a different way. Did, have, did
0: you ever? We were, we were talking about the timely the timelessness of this, and I think it. I have to do with the fact that it only ran for 10 years. So it has this very distinct era that it lives in where it is this idealized eighties, nineties. Yeah. Uh, you know, technology is not a thing. Did you ever read Archie comics? No. So, I mean, that's also a very idealized, um, at least classic Archie is very idealized. Um, like the forever sixties, basically. Yeah. The problem is those do progress. So eventually, Betting Veronica have phones and like stuff like that's going on where I'm like, Oh man, maybe it's good that it ended because I cannot, I do not want to see Calvin be like, Oh, I don't, my iPad's not working. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I just, I don't know how you, not to be a crotchety old man, but I guess that's the Watterson way. Like do kids go out and play like Calvin does these, like these days? No. I don't know. I don't know. Cause I don't have a kid, right? Like some do, some don't. Yeah. But like, I, you know, I definitely think because he doesn't focus on things that are like were new or trendy, because he keeps it to like the simple things he could relate to from a kid, and he, you know, kids when this was coming out could relate to. I think that's where the timelessness comes from.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Calvin's parents would also be like, "Get outside with your stuffed animal," because like, what did you ever? You didn't really watch any of the like the cartoons that were on when we were little. There's fairly odd parents. There's a couple specials. That show went on way too long. But there's a couple specials where Timmy grows up and has to like lose the the godparents, and it's like, oh man, where's the extremely depressing where he just stops believing in Hobbs
1: one day? I don't want to see that. There's some there's some stories that I think that's suited to. I I think it's very important in Kiki's Delivery Service for Gigi to stop talking mm-hmm. at some point. I don't want that to happen with Hobbes. <laughs> it be so depressing.
0: <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh, Hobbes, Hobbs, you've been smelling really
1: bad lately. It's because he's never been washed or something and I have to throw him out. and It's like, oh, this is new Hobbes. They do throw him in the washer a couple of times. And I think, not in this, but I have a vague recollection of like Hobbes's arm gets ripped off or mm. at some point or something or other. You know, these fun lines where it's like, you start to see the, the imagination slip. Yeah which is fun. I think my favorite story in this is probably the duplicator and the like. good versions of him. Anytime Calvin turns into something else because you get to see a different side of his personality. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also, I like, less so the ones in here, but the babysitter strips. I really like the character of the babysitter. Um, I think eventually she gets kind of I feel like Watterson kind of runs out of ideas for her and he decides when he does that, he decides he has to make her smarter. And I think that's really interesting.
0: That was always a concept I can never relate to whenever it showed up in any form of media. Cause I never
1: had one. We had, we had uh, occasionally we'd have a different babysitter, but we mainly had one babysitter. Girl. Yeah. And it was, yeah, you know, it wasn't like this where Calvin's, you know, set on terrifying her for, no real reason, like but, Calvin's a, a twerp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like his life would be so much easier if he just didn't do anything. But we always, we always got along with ours, and it was always this exciting thing. Mm-hmm. It Also, usually meant we got to watch a movie, which was fun. That was a not a common thing growing up. Yeah, Calvin.
0: It it, it really is just this timelessness thing. Of um, it, really, just. He really, he really gets that kid imagination thing and it doesn't, doesn't fall into like a very modern, uh, a very modern way of like being pessimistic about mm-hmm. it. It's just, it's just a book of optimism, yeah, which is very refreshing.
1: And it's very like, if you read Watterson's commentary, very surprising.
0: <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> His commentary is great. I, I love, I loved reading what he thought about certain things. I wouldn't read all of it, but sometimes my eyes would drift down and I'd, I'd, myself in on his thoughts and man. There's there's parts where he's like where whenever Calvin's making an expressive face, he was just looking at himself in the mirror making yeah. that face.
1: It's funny because like one or two times he'll be like, I think this comic worked out well. Yeah. But most of the time he's like, this is why I hate this comic. Uh I'm I'm glad we got so much to talk about Calvin and Hobbes. It is, you know, because it is adjacent to comic books. Um I think, you know, it uses the same very basic elements obviously it has to be simpler because mm-hmm. they're smaller and they it's on a crowded page so they have to keep like the art simpler and the layout simpler but i i think this is there are probably a lot of people who this is their exposure to comics like yeah. they never they'll never pick up a comic book but they'll always turn to the saturday morning pages mm-hmm. or they'll go online and read a webcomic um and we've covered those too so good I, i'm glad All we're, nine yards yeah i'm glad we're able to tackle. It all. We need to find the next comic thing to tackle, Joe. What, what is it, like, a, like a motion comic? I guess. I
0: don't know. Sure, we can read the uh, Uncharted motion comic. <laughs> Those are just web comics at the end of the day.
1: I wouldn't be opposed to doing a motion comic, but it would have to be the right one. <laughs> and Uncharted probably isn't the no, right I, one.
0: I just know it exists. <laughs> all right. Do we want... I have, I have two options for what I can pick for you. Okay. You, you you want a short one or a long one? Do you, do you want to? Uh, I can I can even specify more. Do you want a complete thing, or do you want a uh, uh, it, it's going somewhere that we're probably not going to cover on the podcast?
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm I'm really excited for my next pick. Uh huh. So I kind of just want to take the short one, <laughs> but completed stories probably make for better episodes. Okay. So let's go with the completed. Story. I gotta go get that then. Okay. 'Cause I'm imagining I'm imagining whatever we don't cover, you'll just bring next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's it's more I want to do the completed thing, but yeah. Yo, I threw some shade at Jim Davis this, uh episode, and I feel no uh no regret doing that. Jim Davis is a hack. Alrighty. Suicide Squad Bad Blood. This is
0: the run run by Tom Taylor. You know, we're generally positive on Tom
1: Taylor. And it's my favorite superhero team. But this one's interesting. I'm looking at the cover. And obviously you got you got Harley and Deadshot on there. And like King Shark's way in the background. But man, this is a lot of characters. A lot of characters I don't know. And you know, that's what I always want from the Suicide Squad. So.
0: Hey, Caleb. What, what was your favorite part of Tinian's Batman run?
1: All the OCs. Okay. That's probably not my favorite part, but I do defend the OCs. (laughs) I'm okay. That's really interesting because that's like not the point of no, (laughs) that's not the point of suicide squad. But also like at this point, the original point of suicide squad probably wouldn't work. Yeah. Because like bringing back old characters isn't exactly a novel concept anymore. So, okay. We'll see. You know, I'll see what you think of
0: this. I remember Little preface that I'm sure we'll, I'll just re- repeat in the beginning of the next episode. Super excited for this run. Really disappointed when I heard it was canceled. Waited a long time for the trade, and then I uh, just didn't get the trade for a long time. Read it, was extremely hyped for it. Not quite let down, but very mixed opinions from what I thought I was going to go. So I'm, I'm excited to reread it and discuss it, too.
1: It'll be interesting. You have a take on Tom Taylor that I think will apply to this. So Do I? You, you like Tom Taylor when he's playing with the, in the, Oh yeah. He's, he's much better in the sandbox. Yeah. yeah.
0: He's much better. As soon as he leaves the sandbox, it goes like, it goes very bad places.
1: Well, you know, maybe, maybe by reading this, I can finally find out why Tom Taylor believes that comics are the best <laughs> storytelling medium. He won't. <laughs> But you, dear viewer, maybe you know
0: the answer. And you can tell us what it is by leaving a comment on this podcast with a good rating uh, as well. Five stars, feeds the algorithm, gets us up in the charts, and gets more people joining on the comic book fun. You can also email us at only 52 podcastgmailcom with your reviews and recommendations. And Caleb, how do we close out every episode? That's right. We'll see you in the next one. Oh, I was
1: pretending to be a stuffed tiger. Oh, <laughs> the <laughs> illusion's been broken. <laughs> <laughs>